Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. All right, so today I'm going to start a new series. We're going to go for about five weeks in this series, and it's called The World is Watching. The World is Watching. What are we watching right now in the world? The war. I mean, it, over the last several years, it's been coronavirus, it's been Black Lives Matter, it's been riots, it's been the psycho presidential election. I mean, it's like, you know, and, but at different times, we'll be watching different things. But the world is watching all the time. And it's crazy because some of y'all who are older than a few minutes, uh, you know the world, how it's changed with social media, the internet. Uh, raise your hand if you uh, have always lived with the internet. Just raise your hand for the people that have always lived with the internet. All right. Chris, you've always lived with the... What year were you born? I'm dying. Oh, my gosh. Well, for those of us old folks, I remember when there was no internet. And you, and you know how fast the world has changed. Even when internet first came out till internet today, like literally if it's happening on the other side of the world, we will know about it literally in, in just minutes. The world is so small, and we, will, we can be watching things happening in real time just like that. And that wasn't always the case. And, you know, I don't know if y'all ever had the nosy neighborhood woman. Usually it's a woman. I can't help it, got women. It's just normally a woman. Uh, there's, we had one was Miss Richardson. She was on the... the she lived at the right side of us. And that woman was so nosy, she poked her nose in everybody's business. Every neighborhood typically has one of them. Hopefully, you aren't that person. Y'all remember Miss Kravitz? Anybody remember? Now, this, this, this is really the people who, who are the old school. Miss Kravitz, anybody re remember Miss Kravitz? Uh, you know, she, she, she always looking out the window uh, on, on the little show Bewitched. And, you know, I know which show. Don't get, you know, don't make, write me any emails. All right. Miss Kravitz, she's looking out the window with binoculars and she's always paying attention to other people, poking her nose in other people's business. And, but, oh, Abner, anybody remember Abner, her husband? She's like, oh, Abner! And then she calls out to him and she assigns Abner to go across the street and fix the problem and poke him. And he, he's like, you know, I hate to come over, but my wife, blah, blah, blah. We all have those people that have been at some point in our life who are sticking their nose because they're always watching. And, you know, the scripture talks about us being watchmen and being alert, but that's not what it means. 
It doesn't mean sticking your nose in other people's business. It doesn't mean becoming the judge of the other person. As a matter of fact, the scripture is very clear when Jesus said, hey, don't be worrying about the speck in their eye when you got this big old plank sticking out of yours. Mind your own business. Take care of your own house. As a matter of fact, there'll be people trying to tell you how to run the church. There'll be people trying to tell you how to run your there, somebody else will be telling you try to run their family. Take care of your own house. Make sure your own house is in order before you try to come tell somebody else how to fix some of their stuff. Don't even be giving me any marriage advice. I, I was telling somebody yesterday, I had people to give Shay and I marriage advice because they would look at our marriage and they wouldn't understand our marriage. Listen, don't judge somebody else's house by your context. You know, uh, your context and my context might be different. Yours does, it doesn't mean yours is wrong. doesn't mean mine's wrong or right. doesn't mean yours is wrong or right. But don't judge my house by your context. The things that go on in my house, the, thing, the way I interact with my wife is a little different. You know, I'm jovial. We joke around. We play around. Shay and I laugh. We're laughing, I think, on the way to church this morning, just uncontrollably over some stupid stuff that I said because I say stupid stuff all the time. And some of it's inappropriate. But she my wife. It ain't inappropriate to her. You know what I'm saying? And so anyway, you know, this, these people, they would come up to me and they would be judging me based upon the context. And they would be trying to give me marriage advice. And every single one of them, every single one of them are divorced. And I'm like, maybe you were giving me advice because you were really looking at your own marriage and like... Mind your business. Stick it somewhere else. That's not what the Bible is talking about when it says that we should be alert, that we should be on guard. Like it's talking about something completely different. And so when we are, are looking at this, you know, the scripture today that we're going to really dive into, Matthew chapter 24, talks about when Jesus was talking about the end of the world. Like, that's something we don't talk about very much. Like, not to demean any of the young people in here, but that's something y'all really have not heard much teaching on. And when we were growing up, man, they drilled that stuff into the ground. I went to bed crying because I thought I was going to hell. I went to bed Y'all have heard me tell these stories. I would get up in the middle of the night to go make sure my parents were still in the bed. Because I like, I'm a bad little dude. And my parents, I don't, you know, I don't want my parents to, you know, Jesus come back and they're gone. I remember one time I came home from school. I know I told some of y'all this before. I came home from school. Man, my mama wasn't where she was supposed to be. My mama was supposed to be at that house. She was supposed to be fixing dinner. And I, I, I looked through every room. The pastor must have been preaching on some kind of revelation series or rapture series or something. I went through every room, man. I'm hysterical at this point. And I'm like, mama, oh my God, I'm going to hell. My family is gone, you know. And then all of a sudden my mom comes in. She's like, what, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? I'm telling you, man, those preachers back then, they scarred us. They gave me some trauma. 
And then I grew up, as I grew up and matured, I realized, oh, I don't have to be afraid of going to hell. I, I'm saved, man. And I, and, and I don't just lose my salvation. It's not like, oh, where'd it go? You know, lost it. It's hard to get unsaved. It's very, 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 very hard to get unsaved. Can you get unsaved? Absolutely. I do believe that. Preacher, we're going to have to have a conversation because I believe in once saved, always saved. You are always saved one time. You only have to get saved one time and you're always saved until you deny God. Until you deny God, you can actually turn your faith, uh, turn your back on the faith and you can renounce the faith. Like, I don't know what's, see, see, we made it sexy to backslide now. Mm. We call it deconstruction. Like we've deconstructed our faith. We have pastors of mega churches and small churches and medium-sized churches. We got Christian artists now that they're deconstructing their faith. You know what we call that when I was growing up? Backslide. Not moonslide, but backslide. You know, we, 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 I can't do the Michael Jackson thing, but we, we call that backsliding. We call that, you know, you, you're going backwards, man. And now it's almost uh, in vogue, trendy. It's the thing to deconstruct your faith. And so many of these leaders that are out there that they're deconstructing their faith, I'm like, no, 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 nobody, no. You do not get to stand on the stage. You do not get to gain your popularity and your millions of followers and your big mega church and your big Mercedes or whatever else. No, no, no. You don't get to talk about the God of prosperity who makes you prosperous, whether it's him or people or whoever. And then you take your millions and then you say, oh yeah, I don't, I, I don't believe in that anymore. No, you don't get to do that. Why? Why? Because the scripture says, brothers and sisters, let us not all profess to stand up here. Because whoever stands up here, and it, you understand it doesn't have to be here. It could be teaching kids, teaching youth. It could be teaching wherever. Whoever desires to be in this place of mentorship, you're held to a higher standard. Listen, I'm sorry. If you're going to go get you a life coach, which that's fine. Don't get you a life coach that's been divorced four or five times. Listen. At four or five times, you know what you need to be doing? Sit down. Sit down. Sit your tail down in the chair. And, and preacher, that's just so hard. No, it's the Bible. It's just common sense. It's just common sense. You don't get to do whatever you want to do. 
and then say, look at me, because I can tell you how to do it. You can tell us how to do it wrong. I had somebody one time that was trying to give me some marriage advice, and I am close to this person. And I said, listen, I don't want to be any offense, you know, because we're, we're joking buddies. I said, listen, I don't want to be any offense, but I don't need no advice from you. I said, all I need to know from you is what not to do. You just tell me what not to do because you've done been married three times. And so I don't want to, I don't want to know any, any, I don't, I'm not going to follow any of your rules, any of your steps. Like, no, you don't get to do that. And so as we're looking into this, in, in this series where the world is watching, the world is watching us. The world is looking to see how we respond to things. How do, how do people who are filled with the Holy Ghost respond? How do people, oh, Jesus, hear me. Listen, you understand everything I say up here, I got to live by. Because great will be the fall of the person. Like great will be the fall of the person that sets a standard that does not live by it. Can I just tell you that there are, when I talk about Shay and I talk about our marriage and I talk about how we have issues, like when I say issues, you know, you, you have your stuff, you know, there's probably not a week that goes by that she doesn't get mad at me for something that I did, you know, but that's life, you know, it's just how it, I don't know, maybe y'all have a different one. I'm not judging you by that context. I'm not judging your great marriage. I think we have a great marriage, but we also have some rough spots and, you know, we're constantly sanding it. I'm like, how long have you got to sand it? We 35 years into this, really. Like, how long do you have to sand before you get all the smooth edges off? Baby, you are smooth, but, you know, but I've got some rough spots on me. And when, we, when we're looking at the world is watching us to see how we are going to respond to different things. And listen, I don't get, I don't get to fall into sin. Oh, I don't get to fall into sin. Well, preacher, ain't you human? Yes, I am. But you know what? I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I know when the woman at the bank's coming on to me. Y'all don't think that's possible, do you? I'm telling you, I, got, I still got a little bit, a little bit, a little bit going on. But I don't get to fall for that flattery. I don't get to fall for, 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 for those innuendos. Why? Because I pastor a church. First of all, I'm a man of God. First of all, I'm married to a woman and I pledge my faithfulness to her. But, you know, somewhere down the line, I'm the pastor of a church. I don't get to fall into that preacher but what about all the others i ain't responsible for them and i'm that's that's on them and jesus and the holy ghost we're talking about rife stewart and destiny church and my church family but i don't get to fall into that why because the world is watching you're watching lauren's watching Dwayne's watching shay's watching erica's watching these girls are watching people are watching us and watching how we live so that when those situations come uh, and and we can be mentors because we can say well this is how i handle that this is how i handle that um 
my son was with me one time and he was like, dad, why are all the women at the bank? You know, cause he would go with me to the bank sometimes. He's like, why are all the women at the bank so flirty with you? And I'm like, son, they're just being nice. You know, they're paid to be nice. He's like, dad, <laughs> like seriously. And I said, son, you know, so we we're talking about this, ha- just having a little moment. And I said, son, you know, when those things typically happen, you know what I, what I typically do? This is just a form of accountability for me. I typically tell my wife. Am I trying to make her jealous? No. I'm just telling her because I, I'm like, I want you to know there's not another woman on the planet that can turn these eyes except that one. There's not another woman on the planet that can do that. Why? Because the world is watching me. My children are watching me. You are watching me. And likewise, people are watching you. So let's dive into the message. Jesus, he's talking about the end of the world here. And so verse 1 in chapter 24, and this is a pretty long chapter. I'm not going to read all of it, but I would encourage you to do it because it's, it, it's good all the way through. Verse 1 says, as Jesus was living, leaving the temple grounds, his disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings. So they're just kind of sightseeing around the place. And it was a cool place to go. You know, Shay and I have been to uh, uh, Israel. You, many of you guys have been. So it's a, co- it's a really cool place. Like it's one of the most visited places in the world, the Temple Mount. And so, you know, it's almost like they, a lot of them didn't live in Jerusalem. They visited Jerusalem. It's like going to New York, you know, or Atlanta or something. And so they're showing, they're like, look at this, look at this, look at this. And so in verse two, he says, it says, but Jesus responded, do you see all these buildings? He said, I tell you the truth. So the truth is fixing to come out of his mouth, which nothing else but that could. He said, they will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. You know why it's just wasteful to spend a lot of money in big, fancy church buildings? You know why it's wasteful? It will not last. And we don't have a big, fancy church, but we got a nice church. But all this is going away at some point. All of it. And he's saying, I tell you the truth, there's nothing here that will will be left standing. In verse 3, later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives and his disciples came to him privately and said, tell us, and I don't know if you're circling or marking in your Bible. He said, tell us when all of this will happen. So circle when. And then what sign will signal your return at the end of the world. So they're asking two questions, when and what? When's it going to happen and what's going to be the sign? How are we going to know it's happening? And he starts giving them some evidence to look for. And Jesus told them, in one version it says, watch. But he says, and Jesus told them, watch. Don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name claiming that they are the the Messiah. They will deceive many. So many are coming, but many are going to be deceived. Verse 6 says, you'll hear of wars and threats of wars. So we're hearing of wars. Like right now there's a war. There have been wars. 
And we're also hearing of threats of new wars, like maybe Putin's not going to just stop at Ukraine. Maybe he's going to invade some of these other places. So he's saying, when you see all of this stuff, well, I mean, this hadn't been going on just in the past year. This has been going on Vietnam, Korea, World War I, World War II, the Civil War, the French-American War, all of these wars, all right? And it says that, but he says, don't panic. Don't panic. That's important. Do not panic. All this stuff on the TV, what happened, church, is we got to looking at stuff the world is watching. We got to looking at the world and we took our eyes off of Jesus. And, and, and there were even times that I did it. And we get all up into the political stuff. We get all up into gas is now $4 uh, and, and rising. We get all up into that. But what he's saying is, hey, don't panic. These are signs of things to come. What, what, what should we be doing during this time? Man, I, I'm telling you, and if you've sent me anything and if you're watching uh, online, on don't, don't be upset or offended. I've had people send me, uh, man, you gotta see this uh, story uh, on Gog and Magog. I've, I've had people to send me uh, revelation prophecies of the end times and John Hagee stuff and all this stuff. They're just kind of bombarding me with this stuff. Some of it I listen to, some of it I read, some of it I don't. And the, the, the reality is, is that I'm probably not going to be the pastor that is going to have a, a, a storyboard that stretches across the screen you can go to John Hagee for that. He does a great job. Not, not knocking it. I'm just saying that's not going to be who we are at Destiny. I'm not going to do that. You're, I'm probably not going to be the pastor that preaches on the end times over and over and over and over. And, you know, because I'm just telling you, my pastor did that when I was a kid and it scared the hell out of me. It it tormented me. It, I, I, I'm not lying. I, I, I was tormented. And it messed me up theologically. I was messed up from that kind of stuff. And so I'm not going to be that person. But at the same time, I am here to tell you, and young people, you do need to hear, Jesus, he is coming he is coming for a church that loves him and is on fire for him. And just because your mama and daddy come to church every week or once in a while and you come in with them does not mean that you are saved and that you automatically get a go to heaven free ticket. We are going to be responsible. God doesn't send anybody to hell. That's a place that they choose to go because they didn't choose to be in relationship with the Lord. But he is coming again. That's what the scripture says. And we should live in a way that it's like God's coming. You know, for me, I used to be scared of the rapture. As I get older, I'm not scared. When I was younger, some of y'all's age, Elias, when I was like your age, I'm like, I got my whole life in front of me. Jesus, don't come yet. I want to date. I want to get my first kiss and second and third. And, you know, I, I want to I date. I want to have babies. Not really me, but I want to have a family. I want to have kids. God, I don't want you to come anytime soon. I actually felt guilty about that. Jesus is basically saying to us, 
Listen, the end is going to come. There's gonna be a lot of signs that you can start looking for. Hey, I believe we're close. But people start getting crazy with that stuff. My God, we're close. I believe we ain't gonna make it through this presidency. He's gonna come. Listen, the disciples thought that. All the original apostles thought it. Every great revivalist on the planet thought it. People thought it. I thought it. My pastor used to be like, and God, we know that you could come before we leave this room today. And even though that's true, he could. He's probably not. I mean, it's 1123. And I don't want y'all to think I'm being sacrilegious here. But he probably ain't coming before 12. And he probably ain't coming tonight. He probably ain't coming next week. Why? Because there's too much world events that still have to happen. And they don't happen overnight. We are talking, you know, let's don't even have to try to get into that. We're talking, you know, years. You don't have to worry about that. Don't get, don't get upset. Don't get freaked out. He says, don't panic. What's the opposite of panic? Say it again. Calm, peace. So when he says, look, all this stuff is going to be happening. Here are some signs, but don't panic. What's he saying? Be at peace. Be at peace. The world is watching. Be at peace. The world is watching. Take a chill pill. The world is watching. Put your six-pack away. I don't mean six-pack of Coors or whatever. I'm talking about your six-pack. You, I fix it, open up a six-pack on somebody. <laughs> Put that away. Silly rabbit. Tricks are for kids. You know? Don't let the signs of the times discourage you or distract you. My God, preacher, when are you going to start preaching on Revelation? When we, we got to get over there, eh, the Mark of the Beast, the great whore of Babylon, we got to get. No. If the Lord wants us to go there, he'll speak to me and we'll go. If not, you can go to the church down the street. I'm sure they've got one of those big charts that you can go learn some more about. And I'm not saying that's bad. But don't get discouraged or distracted when you see these things come. I'm telling you what, I drove by the other day and I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen gas that high in my life. But I did not have this overwhelming fear of dread. I mean, I don't like it. But I'm, I'm telling you, there's some folks that will get upset and bent out of shape. You know, and I, I even posted some little thing to be a little funny about it on my Facebook. But don't get bent out of shape over that kind of stuff. Don't get bent out of shape. Be at peace. Because what'll happen is you'll start looking at these political events. You'll start looking at what's going on around the world, in our country and other world-wise. And you'll get discouraged. And you'll get distracted. I'm telling you what we went through. And I was watching what was happening during COVID. And I can't tell you how many times that I was so discouraged 
discouraged. I'm like, good God, do we even need to do church anymore? Like, it, what is there going to be a church left to come back to, you know? And it still is not all like it was before. But it's a sign of the time. It's a sign of the time. And the crazy thing is, he tells us in the scripture. He tells us this stuff in advance so that when we see it, we don't freak out. And we don't get distracted. We'll get off course. Listen, man, I tell you what, I lost friends. I couldn't mention the word Trump without losing friends. I couldn't mention the word Biden without, I couldn't, I got people upset with me because we're praying for President Biden. I'm like, ah! (laughs) Why? Because they're distracted. They're distracted. And I'm like, I literally have lost friends and people to this church because I said, and I'll say it, whether President Trump was the president, whether President Biden's the president, whether it's Kamala Harris one day, whether it's some person we don't even know who they are, we are, we are always going to pray for that president. I probably might, uh, will, will not vote for some of them. We're still going to pray for the president. Why? Because the scripture tells us that that is the right thing to do. And if we let the world, if we keep watching the world, we will get distracted on what our assignment is. I'm not a politician. I'm a pastor, but I do have political opinions. You do too, you know? From this place, and I know there are people, probably some of you, lots of those who aren't here anymore, but they thought anytime I mentioned something about uh, the, the presidential arena, like I'm bringing politics into the message or whatever, but they don't have a problem. Listen, y'all bear with me. Jesus, help me. I'm on solid. Shake your ground. They don't have a problem with Al Sharpton, does it? In the pulpit at a church. They don't have a problem when Jesse Jackson does it in the pulpit at a church. I don't know that white Catholic's name, uh, 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 priest that they always used to have, but they don't have a problem when he does it in the Catholic church. They don't have a problem with any of that. But we are called to pray for our nation. I tell people, you need to vote. And you need to vote scripturally. You don't even need to vote your conscience. Because I'm telling you, your conscience is your emotions. They will deceive you. There are times in my life I didn't think certain things were wrong. Why? Because it felt good. Because it felt good. But when I grew up enough in the Lord that I began to go, oh, yeah. Even though it feels good, it's wrong. <laughs> and one of these has got to win. One, one, of the, one of these has got to win. And the scripture says, out of these two, this one you have to crucify. And so don't let the signs of the times discourage or distract you. This is what you got to do. Instead, you need to let the signs of the times direct you and drive you. Like you got to let the signs of the times direct you and drive you. Like 
when we start looking at all of these world events, let's not get discouraged or distracted. Let's go, look, something's happening in the world. What are we going to do about it? At some point, guys, we're going to have to take up offerings to the, for the Ukraine. I don't know what's going to play out over there or, or whatever, or if there will even be a country but we're going to have to take up offerings to send to them for humanitarian aid. Why? Because they're going to need it and it's going to be something the Lord is direct, will direct the church. Why? Because the church is a humanitarian effort. That's what we are. You know, just like Paul said, we got to take up an offering for the Macedonians. I'm coming to you as an apostle today saying we're going to have to take up uh, an offering for our brothers and sisters in the faith that we don't know, but they're still in the faith that they don't have a home anymore. Why? Because it got bombed. There are kids over there. They don't have parents anymore because they were fighting in a war and they were killed. Like we're going to be directed and we're going to be driven out of need and not emotion. So let me, let me just, I'm, I'm going to try to wrap this up real quick for you, all right? So where did I leave off here? Uh, but all this, okay, look at this, look at this, look at this. Nation, verse 7, nation will go to war against nations and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all of this is only the first so if you, if you start thinking about some of the qualifications that he puts on this stuff, like he says, that's the first. The wars are just the first part. Well, hey, we've been, I know we've been at, at peace for a long time, but we've really been at war. Yeah. Somewhere in the world, war. For what? Uh, what was the First World War? I mean, it, it even predates that. But First World War, was that the 30s? 19, okay. Uh, so, so all of that, if you look at that, this scripture says that's the first sign. So we've been in that stage for a while. And he says this, he says, verse nine, or let me finish this. He says, but all this is only the first of birth pains with more to come. And verse nine, he begins to tell you what's more. He says, then you'll be arrested. Y'all remember those arrests up in Calgary? Canada, pastors arrested just for having church, persecuted. There are Christians' heads that are being chopped off in foreign countries, in Muslim nations, and killed. You'll be hated all over the world because you're my followers. Hello. Hello. I mean, that's just right now. And many will turn away from me, all right? Many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere. We don't have a problem with that at all. I mean, it sounds like he's talking about right now, 2022. He said, sin will be rampant everywhere. And the love of many will grow cold. Bro, I'm just telling you, I've seen throughout the pandemic, I've seen the love of many people grow cold. I'm not trying to, please, I'm not trying to condemn anybody. It is just what it is that pastors ha have told me. I know for a fact in our church, some of our hardest workers and servants, some of our most faithful givers have just given up on church. Maybe they haven't given up on God. 
But I want to present this to you. Can you give up on the assembling together of the saints and not give up on God? Because I think I remember a scripture that says, brothers and sisters, let's not give up the assembling together of ourselves because it's a much needed practice. We get together for encouragement and teaching and instruction and, you know, just building each other up. Don't give that up. But yet we, we have people that have just like, yeah, I just really found out we don't need this. I was talking to a person. I can't tell you their name because many of you know that this person personally, but a, a leader in our community has said, I can totally understand not, not needing church. And that's a pastor. Listen, I'm going to tell you, I can't totally see it. I can't totally see it. Why? Because I know the value of my church. I need this. I need y'all. I need relationship with y'all. I have people sometimes, I'm not patting myself on the back, but I guess I am. I have people all the time say, man, you spend too much time with people. I don't see how you do it. You always with people. I I love people. There's very few times, I ain't going to lie to you, there's a time or two. But there's very few times in my life as a pastor that I go, oh, God, I've got to meet with these people. I just hope it's over quick. No, I give people time. Why? Because I love people. I love people. It's part of pastoring. And I need you. I think you need me. I think y'all need one another. Because the church is important. Look at these things. In the last days, what's Jesus saying that we should be doing? Well, first of all, we know he said, just be at peace. Don't panic with all of this stuff going on. He says, first of all, to watch. He says, be on guard. Not poking yourself and, and nose in other people's business, but he says, listen, in the last days... The enemy is going to be moving about in this earth like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He says, be sober, be alert, be vigilant. Vigilant is different than alert. Alert is just like, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm awake, I'm awake, I ain't, I ain't sleeping. Vigilant means get up every day. Vigilant is like, man, I'm intentional about this, like, intentional about watching out for the enemy, it is so easy for you and me not to be vigilant. There are times in my life when the enemy snuck up on me because I wasn't vigilant. I I wasn't paying attention. I let my guard down, so to speak, and the enemy crept in and the enemy, you know, you know, sucker punched me and it, and it was painful but I wasn't watching. The scripture says, watch, pay attention. And don't just pay attention for defensive measures. Like, you know, gotta watch out, man. The devil, he's (laughs) freaking out, man. It's not just defensive. It is offensive. It's like, I'm purposely watching. I'm protecting my family. 
I'm watching interactions. I'm paying attention to who I have relationships with and I allow my kids to get involved with. Just, you know, I'm protecting. And so we have to protect the church. We have to protect our witness. And we're going to witness passively or actively. Every person in this room is going to witness passively or actively. The thing is, when I was growing up, they only taught you how to witness pass, uh, actively. Like, knock on people's door. Hey, I'm from the church down the street, and I'm just here to ask you, do you know Jesus? And w- where would you spend eternity tonight? You know, that's the only way. And then those same people that were going out witnessing were living like hellions during the week, the worst witnesses of the gospel. Listen, if you go share the gospel with something and tell somebody God is good, you need to be having some fruit. Because people are watching you. I was having a conversation just yesterday with one of my friends in this room. And they said, It's a little bit strange when you're working with people and they're Christians and then things start to go wrong on the job site, you find out who the real Christians are because they'll start lying and denying, almost come to fist fight. The world's watching. You're witnessing. I'm witnessing all the time. So watch, he says. And then there's a waning and a weeding out. And I've seen both of those in in the church. I've seen a waning. People who used to be man on fire, they used to be some of the most passionate worshipers are not even going to church. They're not living in rampant sin. They just are not engaged in any kind of visible relationship with the Lord or their children. And to me, that hurts my heart there's a waning and there's also a weeding out the Lord will point out sin the Lord will point out people that are not living this godly life he will remove leaders listen he can race you up but he can certainly set you down and there's a weeding out that's going on there is a weeding out because God is coming back and you'll find here in just a few minutes in in one of these next points that he's going to need a certain breed. And and popularity is not going to get it. Some of the most famous pastors that that are in our culture will not be the ones. Oh, Jesus, come on. It'll be the ones that are forgotten. You thought you were forgotten. You were on the backside somewhere. Nobody knows you. Nobody knows your name. You ain't got a billion followers. You don't have a YouTube or a Vimeo or any kind of that stuff. But God is going to raise some folks up in this last days because he's weeding out everyone that is not uh, the the ones that are going to see this last move of God because there's going to be a whole world gospel he says down in here i'm going to let you read it later for sake of time he says listen the lord is coming back but it's not until you'll see all these things and you're going to hear people i'm just paraphrasing he says you're going to hear people oh my god oh my god second coming is coming it's coming jesus is coming you better get ready better better get ready better better get ready Hurry, hurry, hurry 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 He's like, listen, you're going to see all this stuff. You're going to see all this stuff. Don't freak out. Don't panic. Be at peace. 
those are not the signs. There is, the gospel is going to be preached throughout the world. Listen, I ain't one of these people that's smart enough to tell you if it's been preached everywhere yet. I don't think necessarily the Bible means it how we've preached it. I believe when he says the gospel is going to be preached throughout the earth, I truly believe there is going to be a global revival. I, I, you know, y'all, y'all hear about this revival. There's a Tonto uh, or uh, Toronto, sorry, Tonto's uh, uh, Kimosabi. Uh, you, you get all that. That's Long Rangers, buddy. <laughs> Toronto blessing, that revival. The Brownsville blessing. Uh, the Bay of the Holy Spirit revival. The you know the the ones in the northeast. The ones out of the Zusa streets in the west. The one over in Europe. But they all happen at different times. It kind of seemed like whoosh. There's this flash fire of revival, and man, it's good and it's awesome. But I truly believe that this is telling us that there is going to be a revival and it's going to be worldwide. It's going to be on the continent of Africa and Asia and Europe and the United States and Central America and South America and North America all at the same time. And that, friends, has not happened yet. When we start seeing that happen, oh my gosh, get ready, get ready, get ready in the words of T.G. Jakes because it is close and he's weeding out the ones who are not worthy to carry that. Because I'm going to tell you what, in the worldwide revival, nobody is concerned about who gets the credit. Oh, Jesus, I'm going to get in trouble for this. God is looking for some apostles that don't have to be introduced as apostles. He's looking for some prophets that do not have to be introduced as prophets. He's looking for some people that nobody has to carry my Bible to the stage for me. I I can carry my own Bible, thank you. And I'm, you know, that sounds like I'm being real critical, and I guess I am in in some ways. But, you know, I I was reading this week because I really thought that maybe I would do a series on the fivefold ministry. And I was reading up on some apostles and some of what that role looks like. Preached on it many times and we've totally missed it. We've totally missed what apostles uh, truly are. It's just apostolos. It's just the sent ones. Do you understand that you are actually an apostle of sorts when you leave this place today? You are being sent. If I tell you, I'm sending you out into your sphere of influence. Who sent you? It's a simple question. Who sent you? I did. I'm sending you. Who sent me? The Lord called me. He sent me. But now I'm sending you. That's what, isn't that what Jesus said? He said, the Lord, uh, God the Father sent me. Now I send you. So in a way, you guys are apostles. Now, many times people don't know what, they're, what an apostle, an apostolic role is. So they, they don't know really what they're supposed to do. And maybe sometime after Easter, I'll take you into some of that teaching again. But there will also be the when and the what. And guys, this is where people get messed up. Don't focus so much on the when and the what. Because you're going to be looking at that. And you're going to miss the opportunity to witness that's right in front of you. 
The woman at Five Guys is, is your mission field. And she's more important than when Jesus is going to return. That, that, that's what he's saying. He's like, hey, there are people that they're so worried about tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to take care of itself. Let's worry about, don't not worry. Let's focus on what's right in front of you right now. Don't worry about that stuff. Don't get caught up in all that jargon. You know, it doesn't mean that we have to be ignorant of it, but when it begins to consume so much of your time, I just want to ask you one question. Where in the kingdom is your benefit? Are, are you off mission? Are you off focus? That's not meant to any person or group of people in our church. It just means to the body of Christ. And I'm telling you, I have found myself at times off mission because I'm watching what's going on in the world and I've gotten distracted and off focus. Let's not let that happen. Don't worry about the when. Don't worry about the what. If you go and you read this, Jesus will say, look, don't worry about that because number one, the angels in heaven don't even know. As a matter of fact, I don't know how God don't know something, but the, the triune Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, Jesus, God the Son, does not know when he is going to return. Don't ask me how to explain that in my head. I can't do it. I just know that's what the word says and I believe it. I'm just that dumb when it comes to blind faith. If it says it, I believe it because this is God inspired. And then I think this uh, is the last one. There might be one more. He said, there's gonna be two kind of people. There's gonna be the wise people and there's gonna be the wicked people. It's easy to pick the wicked people out. You know why? Because they're wicked. They're just debaucherous. I know some of y'all have bought into culture. But I'm here to say, I love you. I will love you to the end of the world. I'll love you at your funeral or you can come love me at my funeral. I'll love you to the end of that time. But I am not gonna forsake this for anybody. As much as I love that woman right there sitting there that I've been married to for 35 and I hope she's the last person I'm looking at when I leave this world, I will not sacrifice or compromise this for my wife. I will not. And I'm not gonna buy into certain cultural things because I love people. I love people. They've been divorced multiple times. I'm like, you need to sit down. You don't need to get married anymore because you ain't good at it. Sit down and be single for a while. Not, not, not you. But. Sit down and be single for a while. I love people who are homosexuals. I personally do not know. I know of some people who are, are in the whole uh, middle of gender transition and all of that but I don't know them personally I know some of their family but I don't know them I can love you all day long it does not change this Jesus is coming Pastor Rife what does all that have to do there is a wickedness in the world Pastor Rife are you calling those people wicked no I'm not calling them wicked at all. I'm calling them blind. Because the scripture says this, Satan is wicked. And it says that the wicked one has blinded the eyes of men. They don't know that it's wicked. 
They don't know because they're blind to it. But it's a wicked thing. The enemy seeks to destroy them and their identity and just happiness and all of these things. So he says there's going to be the wicked, but then there's also going to be the wise. And those are the people that their eyes are open, that they're truly, truly, truly willing to look at things objectively. You understand that when I come to the pulpit, I know people don't believe this about us, but when I come here, I'm willing to look and say, could this be wrong and Hinduism right? Could it be? Because if we're not willing to question this, it's not worthy. The scripture says, test the Lord, test the Lord, put him to the test. Like, I'm totally fine with testing my faith and my beliefs, my morals, my values. Some of that has changed over time. But I always go back to this. Am I going to go and take it from my favorite movie star? Am I going to get it from my favorite politician? Am I going to get it from my favorite songwriter? Am I going to get it from my mommy or daddy? Listen, there are some things, my mom and daddy, and I'm just, I, I ain't trying to divide any families here. There are some things that I, my family has taught me and they still believe. And I'm like, God bless them. I love them, but they're just ignorant. I don't mean they're stupid. I mean, they're ignorant. They do not know the word. And if they just read the word, they would know that some of your beliefs are not Christian beliefs, but you come in and you sit in a seat every week and you lift your hands and you praise God, but you are not living out a a value system that lines up with this. Those are the people who are the wise, the ones that will say, I can put any belief I have on the table and say, it's up for discussion. Now let's look at this because this is my point of reference. So we're fixing to leave. Matthew chapter five, you know this well. The scripture says, be the light of the world. A city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nobody lights the lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, the lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everybody. And in the same way, the scripture says, let your good deeds shine out. Why? Because people are watching. The world is watching. Go out today. So I'm sending you. Go out today and let people see your good deeds. Don't don't worry about if they're gay or lesbian. Don't worry about if they're black or white. Don't worry about if they're rich or poor. Don't worry about if they're a Christian or they're not. Don't worry about if they're Hindu or Muslim. Don't worry about any of that. And Alan, I love the way that you uh, said that last week. Catch fish, drag the net and let God do all that sorting out. It's not our place to judge them. It's not our place to watch them. It's our place just to be the light, all right? So say this with me. Don't let the signs of the times discourage or distract you. Instead, 
Let them direct and drive you. And this is how you can do that this week. This is how you can be a doer of the word. Be self-aware. Watch your witness. Watch how you treat the waitress. Watch how you speak to the person behind the counter at the convenience store. I was at this little store right here and I had a destiny shirt on. You know, I don't even think about that. I had this destiny shirt on and I said, uh, she said, oh, do you go to destiny church? I said, "Mm mm-hmm. And she said, well, I see a lot of people come in here and that go to that church. See, she's watching me. She's watching my attitude. And I forgot that I had that little insignia, that little D on my shirt. How I act in public, how you act in public is important. Watch your witness. And then this is the last thing. Be an encourager, not a discourager. Be an encourager. When you go out this week, let positive words come out of your mouth. Just compliment people on something. I'm telling you what, it'll totally change the atmosphere. You're in the doctor's office. I don't want to wear this mask. I don't like, you know, and it's like, just, I don't know. Just do something that'll lighten the atmosphere in that place. I'm sure you're beautiful. I can't tell, you know, because you're wearing a mask. You know, I don't know. Probably not the best example for me to toss out there, but something, you know, just you're creative. Be an encourager. When you confess encouragement, it, it changes the atmosphere.